Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, November 13th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance at Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Eagles come out of the bye week with a win by Dallas losing to the Vikings. The Sixers are back on track with a couple wins, albeit ugly. And the Flyers are on fire, earning 11 of the last 12 possible points. The college football rankings are out for the second week after some big games last weekend, and it's not so good for Penn State. And a forgotten sport at this time of the year, college basketball is underway with LaSalle and Penn at the Palestra tonight. We're going to cover it all. Yeah, the Penn State loss out of Minnesota, very discouraging, of course. The Sixers are 7-3, and three, which isn't bad, but it hasn't been, been real pretty much of the time. A real struggle beating Cleveland Tuesday night. Who would have thunk the Flyers would be playing better than the Sixers? Go figure. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the best Flyers start to a season bill through 17 games in eight or nine years. They're riding a four-game winning streak as we speak and playing pretty well. Well, they are, and uh, they're going to have a big test that we'll talk about a little bit later when uh... – Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals show up for a 7.30 puck drop tonight. Yeah, that is a real test for sure. And before we go any further, i got to ask you, how was your pro football strike weekend after your rant last week? Well, I did not watch football. Um, <laughs> the only thing I saw is uh, I watched a lot of college football and loved every bit of it. I did see some of the Colts uh, game because my son was watching that uh so I, I did see some of that almost by accident but i did not watch yet and uh you know what i didn't miss it <laughs> well what you did miss was a couple of pretty good games the vikings cowboys game sunday night was a real good one back and forth down on the wire and the, the right team won fortunately and then monday night as everybody told you on facebook that seahawks uh 49ers game a real good one so you missed a couple of good games unfortunately there pal well, I, I hear you, and, uh, but I also did a little little searching and uh, asked if the officiating was any better, uh, and the answer I got from just about anybody was, no, you need to learn <laughs> to accept it. Well, no, I don't. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be questionable calls. There was one uh, on uh, in the Green Bay game where Rodgers, I guess they called him for uh, a bad hit from the defender, which they blew even, you know, on replay, they blew that one. But, hey, what are you going to do? It's going to happen. It's just a way of life these days. And you can continue your strike, Bill, but I'm going to watch. Well, I don't know what the numbers were this week. As you know, they were 0 for 9 last week in those challenges. But uh, I know down here in Tampa, because I saw it on the local news, um, you know, they had a call, a no call on the field. They challenged it and actually called interference in the end zone. Uh, in favor of Tampa, and they they got their feet tangled up, and the ball was at, you know five yards over his head, but they say he impeded the receiver, put the ball on the one. Tampa scored the winning touchdown on the last play of the game. So, uh, you know, another mystery, whether it was or it wasn't, I don't know, but they called a no call on the field. They reversed it, gave him the ball at the one-yard line. They won the game. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly improvements that can be made, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, as we say. Let, let's go bring our guest on and talk to him. Well, let's do it. We've got a great guest tonight, and we're going to have a chance to cover all the longtime Philadelphia sports with a special reporter, Mike Kern. Mike, welcome back. How you doing, guys? Doing real good. Hey, Mike, this is Chet, and uh, this is your fifth visit to our little show, but your first in two years, so welcome back. Let's, uh, let's talk yep. birds first. The Eagles have yet to play a complete game this season, Mike, yet they're 5-4 and four and in control of their own destiny now, I guess. Can they beat either the Patriots or Seahawks in the next two weeks, which would really help their postseason chances? Um, might not matter. I mean, the way I look at this is, I mean, I think, look, they're a three-point underdog at home. 
Um, so obviously they can win. Uh, the following week, depending upon what happens next week, this week, uh, it's probably going to be about a pick 'em game, or it'll be a slight favorite or a slight, but it'll be basically a pick 'em game unless something stupid happens. So, you know, people talk about this it's like it'd be the biggest upset in the world. Um, you know, I, I think the problem is you have New England coming off a loss, and I, they got to buy also, and I think they still remember the Super Bowl, but. You know, it's here. You know, Dallas has to go to New England. I think that's a lot tougher assignment. I think the Cowboys, if you look at their schedule, are going to lose some more games. Um, Yep. The season is probably going to come down to the Dallas game. I I mean, if I told you right now the Eagles could finish like 11-5, and it wouldn't shock me because their last five games, two are against the Giants, one's against Washington, and one's against the Dolphins. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win all those games. It just means they're going to be favored in all those games. Um, you know, the Dolphins have played a little better the last few weeks. Uh, what the Giants will be like in December, I have no idea. Or what the Redskins put on paper, they're going to be favored. So the likelihood is that they're probably going to finish around 10-6. and six. And if it's 10-6 and six and you split with the Cowboys, I don't know where the tiebreakers will go from there. But obviously, if Dallas beats you, your chances of winning the division are just about nil, I would think, because they're going to hold all the tiebreakers. So Dallas, if Dallas beats you twice, the only and you're, and you're going to win the division at ten and six, that means Dallas is going to have to go nine and seven. It's hard yep. to see Dallas go nine and seven with a win over the Eagles. You're right. Agreed. Hey, Mike, this, this receiver situation keeps getting muddier. Deshaun Jackson is out. They pick up Jordan Matthews. Now we have Alshon Jeffrey. Looks like he's on the shelf possibly for this week. Uh, can can they do all the things you just suggested uh, with this receiving core that they have? Who knows? I mean, you know, the, the, the two games they played recently, they ran the football, and they ran it fairly well. Um, you know, can they run the football against the Patriots? I, I don't know. Can they run it, you know, and will they stay committed to it? The problem with running the football is it, you, you, it's hard when you fall behind to do that. So, if you know, if you find yourself down 10 points at halftime or whatever, and they've been behind a lot this year, not recently, but, you know, a lot, it's hard to run the football because at some point it is a passing league, but we do see teams that run the ball winning that way. Um, I don't think the – yeah, I look at the Eagles. And, yes, they, 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 the Sean going down really screwed them up. But, you know, you sign a 32-year-old guy who hadn't played a full season in, you know, five years or since he left the Eagles, whenever that was, um, and you put a lot of eggs in his basket, okay, and it, and it doesn't look like it's, it worked out. Um the Jeffrey thing, I mean, when they signed Jeffrey two years ago or two and a half years ago, I mean, he was the most coveted wide receiver free agent. So now all of a sudden, two years later, two and a half years later, we hear about all the things he can't do. You know, he doesn't stretch the field. He doesn't do this. He doesn't, you know, I, don't, I still look at them and, and say they've got a great tight end and they've got another tight end who's pretty good. Um, I saw the Patriots play with two tight ends for a while. Now, they were – two Hall of Fame tight ends. I don't know if, if Ertz is going to the Hall of Fame or Goddard is going to be like that kind of player. But the, the guy who I think really screws this whole thing up, two, two guys. Aguilar is just not good enough. And yet they're giving him $11 million this year. And, and I just don't quite get that. And the guy they drafted, uh, Whiteside or whatever, I mean, he's been – he hasn't done anything. He can't get yep. on the field. And he, from what everybody tells me, he is – like a, a, a clone of um, Jeffrey. So he's not really going to be your downfield guy either, even if you had him. So, you know, I mean, they went out last year at the trade deadline and got a receiver. And everybody went, goo goo, ho, we got the. He didn't do anything. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. And then, you know, how does that affect your quarterback? You know, um, you know does Carson have enough weapons? Does this, does that? I mean, it, it, it has impact all over the place. Um, but the thing is, whatever you think of the receivers or this or that, Carson at some point has to play a little bit. And I'm not blaming Carson. Trust me. He's the 
way, way, way down on the list of things that you could point out and say, well, you know, but he hasn't played. The problem is he hasn't played as good as he did in those first 11 or 12 games of 2017 when he probably would have been the MVP if he hadn't got hurt. And I hate to tell people this because he's still young. He, he may never play like that again. I don't know. I mean, he was he was making escape plays. He was doing this and that. And he has moments when he does that. He, you know, but there's something. So then you say, well, it was because they couldn't run the ball early on. Uh, they didn't have the receiver to stretch the field. I, I don't know. It's probably, you know, is it because Reich's in Indianapolis and Filippo is wherever he's at? Um, I don't know. I, I still think he's one of the, you know, I mean, I don't know if you were ranking the quarterbacks in the NFL where Wentz would be, but, you know, it's probably closer to the top than the bottom. But, you know, when, it, when you saw a guy be an MVP kind of guy, and now he's not, and the guy who won the Super Bowl isn't here anymore, you know, but, but I don't think the problem is sometimes, and maybe it's our fault, it's what the expectations are. And I heard people two, three months ago, oh, they got a better – better team than they had when they won the Super Bowl, this, that, the other. And I know they had some tough injuries. Every team has injuries. The Saints lost Drew Brees for five weeks and, and won five games. Um, stuff happens. But, you know, maybe we overrated them a little. I, I don't know. But I still think, barring something stupid, that they're going to win the division and get in the playoffs. And I know that's not what people had in mind. And then maybe you make a run in the playoffs. I mean, you know, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl, but – Last year, nobody thought they were four and six. Last year, and they got in and won a game, and almost won another. Problem is, they had a different quarterback. And like I said, I'm not laying this at at, at Carson in in no way, but it's just that people were so psyched up for what that this team could, you know, maybe be one of the best teams in the NFC. And right now, they're not. But you know, I mean, what would be a disappointment if they get to the playoffs and let's say win a game and then lose the next game? Yeah, how are you going to feel about this season? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what, but I'm going to guess people would be disappointed. And once you've won a Super Bowl, you know, all you really want is another one. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> the Saints won a Super Bowl 10 years ago. They haven't won another one. And they've had Drew Brees. Um, it's hard to win Super Bowls. I hate to break this to people, but and that's why the Eagles have never won one. You know, and the Phillies have won two World Series in their history. And the Sixers haven't won since 83, and the Flyers haven't won since 75. It's, it's not easy, folks, to win championships. Yeah, don't remind us, Mike. Uh, hey, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting next seven weeks and hopefully beyond. Now, speaking of football, Mike, I know you're doing some writing with our pal Boop Vitrone at bettersinsider.com. And not only did you have a good weekend with your three-game teaser in college football, but you also then put my Penn State Nittany Lions in your fraud five. Explain yourself, Mike. Well, did, did you read what I wrote? Did you read what I, I did. I, I know. I know. They I deserve it really, this week. It, 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 no, it, it, no, that's not what I wrote. Yeah, you have to, you know, I, I had people say, look, they were a six-point fade. They lost to an unbeaten team on the road. Okay? No great sin there. If there had been three other major upsets in college football, I probably would have, you know, maybe not put them in or whatever. But it's just that, they, you know, most people around here expected them to win that game. Um, yep, but, again, it goes back to our expectations. I think one of, the thing, one of the problems with Penn State is people have problems with the coach. And, you know, I have a couple friends who are big Penn State people, and the first thing, well, you know, he didn't have him ready. He didn't this, he didn't that. And every time they lose a game, it's pretty much his fault. Well, yeah, I guess that's any team in college football. You know, I guess if Oklahoma loses, it's their coach's fault. Um, Nick Saban didn't have a good week this week, I guess. I mean, that's the way it goes. I think this coach, I'm not saying he's the greatest game day coach in history of the world. Um, you know, the game a couple of years ago against Southern Cal in the Rose Bowl was a, pro, is a prime example of that. But, you know, even when they beat Michigan a few weeks ago, and people were like, well, you know, they almost lost. They, you know, you let them, wait a minute, they won. They, they won the game against a pretty good team. And the, I think, no, I don't think many people had this team being like a 10-win team this year from what I read in the it was like, you know, they're going to probably win about eight games. Well, they've already won nine, I think, or maybe they're eight and one. And, yeah, they got Ohio State coming up. They're not going to be favored. Nobody's going to be favored against Ohio State unless maybe it's LSU. So let's see what happens. But, they, but as soon as Penn State loses a game, you know, and, and there's some people who think the coach might actually be coaching at Southern Cal next year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or Florida State or but um I I don't particularly I'm not enamored with the guy because I just think he comes off as a little bit whatever. But I think he's done a really good job there in getting good players there, winning, you know, nine, ten games a year, which people take for granted because it's like, well, you know, we're supposed to win nine or ten games a year. We're Penn State. Well, you know, you play in a division with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, you know, it's it's not it's not always easy. Um you know, he lost a pretty good quarterback this year and replaced him with a quarterback who's doing pretty good after the other quarterback transferred who was supposed to be the new guy. So, you know, I mean, most – look, whatever one of the top 10, 15 teams lose, they're going to be in fraud five. I mean, unless, yeah, unless you lose at a field goal at the end of the game. But I, I kind of tempered it, like I said. And I, I also tempered Alabama, you know, um, because, you know, when you lose to an unbeaten team, it's, it's – you know, Penn State didn't set the point spread last week. They're not the ones that made themselves six-point favorites. That was the public. So I go back to that all the time. It's like, you know, people say, well, they, well, they didn't live up to expectations. Well, who's expectations? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like we're the ones that make those. So, uh, you know, so basically they're disappointing us, I guess, is the way I'm looking at that. And look, if Penn yep. State, let's say they lose to Ohio State and win the other two games, which I think is Rutgers and um, – I don't know. It'll be another game they're favored in. Let's say they go Indiana. Indiana. Okay, and Indiana's pretty good. So you know, I mean, I'm not saying Indiana's going to beat them, but I don't know how Penn State's going to come off last week's game and um, whatever. But let's say they go ten and two. Um, they're they're going to probably not probably they'll be in a New Year's Day ball. You know, one of those New Year's Six bowls or whatever they call. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, it's and and I know. I don't know what Penn State – I guess Penn State people want to win national titles. I get it. They're kind of one of those programs. But, you know, when you're in a division with Ohio State, and, and I mean, you know, Michigan's been a, was, was a much bigger disappointment this year so far than Penn State. Um, but when you're in a division like that, man, I mean, um, it's tough. It, it's tough to win 9-10 games consistently year in and year out. And he's managed to do that. So, I, I mean, I, I just can't get on the coach – like some people want to get on the coach, but that's just me. Hey, Mike, I want to change up real quick uh, why we have before we run out of time. It seems to me LaSalle's playing Penn tonight at the Palestra, and it seems to me that Mike Kern should be there. It just uh, just doesn't feel quite right to me. Well, it's been almost two years since I haven't been there, so, you know, life moves on. Yeah. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Do, do uh, you still do you still uh, go over there as a fan? Because uh, you've been how long did you cover the, the Big Five in the Palestra? When, when I when I stopped being at the, now I will say this: Villanova's playing in a tournament in Myrtle Beach in about a week and a half, and I will be down there with a group of guys um, for various things. But I will be streaming for the paper the three games that they play down there. But when you're gone, you're gone. I mean. You know, if, yep. if you were a postman and you and you stopped, would you go deliver mail? I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm not, not unless I, I was a fan of the mail. <laughs> no, I mean, but but at some point you don't. I'm, I'm not living my life. I, I I was at Villanova football game Saturday because they were honoring the the 10th anniversary of the championship team, which I covered. Um, and you know, it, it's funny when you leave, you think you're going to go back. Like, you know, you keep saying, yeah, I'll go to a Temple game or, yeah, I'll go to a Villanova game. And you just – there's really no – first of all, I mean, if I go, I go to visit and, and see my friends and, and whatever. But they're working, and I don't really want to get in their way, you know. Right. And the other part of it is if I go, I might be taking somebody's seat at, at press row, which I don't really want to do that either. So, I mean, I've showed up a couple times. But, um, you know, for the most part, when you're gone, you're gone. And um, you just got to come to grips with that, or or else I shouldn't have left. Right. Got it. Got it. Hey, Mike, uh, we got to get your take on the Phils. Joe Girardi, a pretty popular guy in Philly right now. The Phils, though, obviously still need not just one, maybe two new quality pitchers. Do you have faith in Matt Clintack and company that they can get something done here? What is your outlook for the Phillies? Well, I mean, look, they, they, need, they need pitching, yes. Is, is, is that the, the main thing? Yes. They still have some holes on the team they got to fill, too. Um, sure. I, look, they hired the guy that everybody wanted. So, 
that doesn't happen very often in Philadelphia. I mean, you know, nobody wanted Charlie Manuel. Nobody wanted Doug. Um, a lot of times we get guys that, that we, we were like, why are they hiring this guy? So now you got a guy that everybody says, hey, this was the guy. So let's see what happens. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think it was either going to be him or it was going to be the, the Buck Show Walter or I, I guess they were looking at Dusty also. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they made the right move, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. Um, next year or the year after, I mean, they, they got Bryce Harper for 10 years. Um, but, you know, they're in a division. I don't know what's going to happen with Washington. You know, Washington is going to lose Rendon in all likelihood. They might lose Strasburg. Who knows? But they did win the World Series without Harper, by the way. So, yes. But Atlanta, I don't think, is going anywhere. And they're supposedly going after Baumgartner. I think is it like the top of their list or whatever. And I don't know what Baumgartner is going to be now. But I'm just saying, you're in a division with Atlanta. And I don't think the Mets are bad. But I don't know what the Mets were doing hiring the guy they hired to be their manager. Now, maybe it'll work out. I, I don't know. But it, it's not like the Phillies are in an easy division, even though they got the Marlins. So... You know, I don't know what – I mean, depending upon what they do or who they get, I don't know what a realistic expectation next year is. I know people are going to want to make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs – but, I mean, what if the Phillies next year won – I don't know, I'll just throw a number out. Like, what if they won 87 games and didn't make the playoffs for whatever reason? I mean, do you sit there and go, well, boy, that was – I mean, I, I don't know. You know, we have to see. I don't think they're going to get Garrett Cole. Um but, you know, I'm sure, you know, with Middleton's money, they're going to probably try. But, I mean, they've got other questions. I mean, they got, you know, third base is a question. You know, do you go after – I don't think they're going to go after Rendon and give him the kind of money he's going to get. Um, you know, their center field is a question. Uh, you don't know what McCutcheon's going to be like coming back. You don't know if the second baseman – somebody better get the first baseman to hit better or play better or do whatever. So, um, but I think it'll be uh, a positive because of Gerard. You kind of gave yourself um, credibility, I guess is the right word. Um, they won the offseason last year, and it didn't get them very much. I'd rather win the season. So, yeah. But it has to start somewhere. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I thought last season's offseason was really interesting. This is going to be, you know, pretty much just – and people forget they did get Riamolto last year in the offseason. That was a pretty good pickup. Um, and the shortstop was a pretty good pickup for a while anyway. I mean, you know, kind of – but, I mean, they, they, it was for what they gave up for him and everything. Um, and then we figured out why he's played for five teams in five years or whatever. But yeah. uh, they still got some holes to fill. You know, the bench has to get better. Um, they have to still hire a hitting coach. Uh, it's, a, it's a process. I don't think you can expect Joe Girardi. I mean, look, he won one World Series in New York. And I'm not knocking that. I, I'm just saying he won one with an organization that's usually pretty well equipped to at least be a contender most years. I think – Baseball people think Joe Girardi knows what he's doing, so I'll you know I'll give Joe every benefit of the doubt that I think it was a good a good hire. But now you know, let's see what happens with the good hire. So um, yeah, but I mean, if they had hired like um, Dusty Waffen or something, I think fans would have just been turned off. Even if Dusty maybe was a good choice, at least this way I think fans now are rejuvenated a little bit. But you know, they're so excited about the Sixers. And, the, you know, they, they won't even start thinking about the Phillies until probably next February, you know, unless they make some, you know, unless they're getting Garrett Cole, you know, or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's uh, and then, hey, the Flyers are, you know, right now they're like the best team in the NHL. So. Playing well. But nobody will care about them for three or four months either. Hey, last thing, Mike, I want to mention that you and our buddy Kevin Cooney do a real good podcast, Working the Beat, so check that out, everybody. And we didn't get to talk to you last spring, but I'm pretty sure you had plenty of thoughts about Tagger winning the Masters. I just want to hear you say that one more time. Does Tagger have one more major left in him? Well, Tagger had one more winning left in him, which, you know, the way he played after the Masters, I just think it took a lot out of him. I don't think you're ever going to see the Tagger at his age with all he's been through go through like that four-month period where he's just – He's there almost every time he plays. I don't think you're going to see it. I, I would never say that he couldn't win another major um, because he's going to go to Augusta. 
you know, and, and, and look, everything had to play so well for him last year. It, he played, you know, there was like five guys that could have won the tournament, and he just outlasted all of them, which, which is a credit to him. Um, they're going to go, you know, the British Open, I think, of the other majors, I think the British Open is really his best chance because I just think it's a, you know, and he's going to go to St. Andrews not in, in another two years, I think, where he's won twice. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think he's going to win three more majors to catch Jack. I think that would be asking a lot. But for him to win one more, and, and God forbid, maybe two. I mean, he's, he's, what's he, 44, I think? He'll be 45 soon, I believe, if my math is correct. I'm trying to yeah. remember his birthday and Phil's birthday and all their birthdays. But it's in that range. I still think he's got two or three good, good years, but he's got to pick his spots. You know, and he knows his body better than I do. Um, it really surprised me that he won that event a couple of weeks ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's Tiger Woods. When he, th- Those weeks when he shows up and he's Tiger Woods, he's got a chance. It's just that now he's got Brooks Kepka, you know, and, and, and guys like that uh, who are also out there doing damage. Um, but I'm always rooting for Tiger because I think it's great for golf. I think, you know, when he did what he did at Augusta, it just rejuvenated all, all that talk about him catching Jack. or making, and, and I'll tell you what, him beat, tying Sam Snead's record, to me, is, bigger, is, is as big as him tying Jack's record. I mean, that's, that's all the guys who've ever played golf. <laughs> of all the guys, <laughs> he's won 82 times, and he did it in a lot less tournaments, I think, than Sammy did. Um, and that record stood for what, like uh, – I think Sam won his last one in the 60s, early 60s. So, you know, and, and I, I would think that he'll probably get to 83. Maybe he won't, I, but I would think he would. Um, yep. yeah, 44 yeah. next month. Look, yeah, it's always good. It's good for golf when Tiger is Tiger. Just like it's good for baseball when the Yankees are rele- relevant, you know, and, and, and think of teams in football as much as we hate the Cowboys. When the Cowboys are good, more people are interested in basketball, it's the Lakers, you know, and the Celtics and the Sixers. To and that's you know, that's how it is. So yeah, go Tiger. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Well, hey, Mike, we have used up all of our time with you, and we certainly appreciate you coming by. Hopefully, we can do this in less than two years the next time. Absolutely. All right, Mike. Thanks, appreciate Mike. it. Appreciate it. You guys be good. Take all care. right, you Bye. too. Hey, Chet, holiday seasons are coming up. Tell us what's going on at the Irish Rover Station House. Well, there's always plenty going on there, Bill. You know that. I tell you often about their terrific food menu, like their killer burgers, their great wings, etc. I've sampled those many times. But they have frequent drink specials, too, and always 24 beers on tap. Yeah, I've sampled a bunch of those, too. Uh, lots of fun events. There is trivia every Wednesday, a DJ every Friday night, and live music most Saturday nights. This weekend... Saturday night, the 16th, in the afternoon, Victory Beer will be there with a beer man outside while you compete in a throwing accuracy challenge. At night, then, the seven band takes the stage. Next Wednesday, the 20th, there will be a bunch of vendors at the Irish Rover Station House in the banquet room for the annual holiday shopping event. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And, hey, Bill, look who's here. Look, right here. Here he comes. Here he is. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good. Yes, it is, Chet. And speaking of good, let's jump over to the Flyers. We have points in six games in a row. As we mentioned, that Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals are in town tonight getting ready to drop the puck in just about five minutes. Uh, this is a real early season test for what the Flyers have going on. Yeah, a major test. The Flyers are riding a four-game win streak, beating the two best teams in the Atlantic Division over the weekend, by the way, on the road in Toronto and Boston, winning them both by shootout, incredibly. But now they're hosting the very best team in the league right now, Ovechkin's Capitals being the first team in the league to get to 30 points. Just two regulation losses this season for the Caps. Uh, What has impressed you most about this four-game win streak by the Flyers, Bill? Well, they've had great goaltending. Um... And they've, they've gotten out to some leads. They've played well. Um, all four lines are contributing. Uh, but, but the key, and, and not to take anything away from Brian Elliott, because he played fantastic in Toronto, but I think the key is Carter Hart gives them a chance to win every single night. 
and actually, so has Elliot. Yeah, I totally agree. They've both been playing very, very well, and uh, I'm liking this team now. They, they're impressing me. I really thought it was going to take longer for some of the young guys to get a going, but Farabee is certainly looking like a keeper. Hopefully he won't ever have to be sent down again. He's, what, 20 years old? And a uh, good mix of youth and veterans. Giroux, uh, hanging in there, doing okay. People want him to score more than he is. He's, you know, only, only on a pace for, like, you know, 55 or 60 points at this point, but I think he's going to pick it up. He's still got a lot left in the tank. So going to be interesting to see how it all plays out over the next few weeks and months. Hopefully the goalies will keep it up. And uh, they've been doing pretty good on the, on the PK also, the penalty, penalty kill. So that, that's a good sign. Absolutely. And I think the, uh, the other thing, we've talked about this a, a few times already, is I don't think this roster is finished yet. They're still – they keep juggling, looking for the right combination of these youngsters. And some of these kids are coming up, like you mentioned, Farabee. He's not the only one. They've got some kids coming up that are playing really well. And, uh, you know, there's still more down there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's good. And that, that's a credit to Ron Hextall, who got a lot of these guys here for them uh, before he left. So he brought in a lot of good prospects, and we're seeing some of the fruits of that now. And, by the way, tough break last week for Sam Morin. Another ACL. That's a shame for that kid. He just can't seem to stay healthy. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the other knee, and uh, all all indications are he just worked his absolute butt off to get back, and uh, finally did. He was a healthy scratch a good a, a few times, um, but boy, what what a tough what a tough way to go for a young player. And they say he'll be back. He's that kind of guy. He'll be back. Just hopefully. Uh, Physically, it can be done. Hey, I, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Jet. Uh, you mentioned Hextall, and it was actually on my my list to talk to you about. Uh, how do you think the way this whole Carter Hart thing has played out? And I, I think probably not promoting Carter Hart last year is probably what got Hextall fired. Uh, and because the day he got fired, they promoted. Him. Um, <laughs> what? How? How do you figure that Hextall was wrong? I'm going to say he was wrong uh, at this point uh, on Carter Hart. And he's a goal, you know, Hextall being a goaltender should have had as much insight as anybody, but he sure seemed to be wrong on that. Yeah. I mean, I guess in Hextall's mind, he just thought he needed another year, full year, or at least much of last season of development. Cause you know, he's still very young even now. And I don't think that he thought it was wise to bring the kid up to the, the NHL at that point because he might not have been you know mentally ready for it but I think we're seeing now that he is he had that one little rough patch a couple of weeks ago and now he's certainly you know come back great but you know I don't know I can't get inside the mind of Hextall but that was his decision and you're right it probably was one that helped get him fired yeah it's really interesting because I mean heart heart all indications are even last year when we saw him as just a youngster real youngster uh, just handled himself just well above what you would expect for a young kid. And uh, for him not to be ready was, was really interesting in the way it's all played out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully uh, we're going to see a lot more good things from him over the next 10 years. Well, I think we are. And like I say, I think uh, tonight included, whether they win, lose, or draw, well, they're not going to draw. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, he's, he gives them a chance to win every time he's on the ice, and you got to like that. Haven't had that around here in decades. Speaking of win, lose, or draw, as I mentioned, they won their last two games by shootout. I know you're not a big fan of the shootout, but they've won three games already this year by shootout. Um, what do you think? I, I'm not any fan of shootout. It doesn't, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't change my opinion of the shootout, but I'm glad we're winning them instead of losing them. We lost them for way too many years. Uh, I just think it's a stupid way to end a hockey game. You know, I, I always go back to – Kick and yeah. field goals in a football game. Why would you do that? But, um, yeah. but I'll tell you what, Chet, the overtime three-on-three three is the most exciting thing in sports, I think. It's five minutes of end-to-end action. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I do agree with you on that front. That is very exciting. But you just can't do that forever. It's just too much wear and tear on the guys. So uh, they decided to do the shootout after five minutes. And fortunately, for a change, it's working out for the Flyers this season. Well, and we can only hope. And, you know, some of these young guys, like we saw the other day with Lindblom and uh, and um, Farabee got one. Farabee, Farabee, 
uh, you know, maybe these young guys are just a little better than what we've had in the past, and uh, <laughs> maybe they'll change our change our luck a little bit. Of course, Hart on the other end is pretty good too, so that and, helps. And Coots with a nice one the other night. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, Chet, did you know the 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate and Westchester, PA. Yes, sir. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Start planning for your retirement today, 610-430-0700. Hey, Chet, so I got to read this. I got to read this. On November oh. 13th, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife. See, today's November 13th, so it's kind of an odd couple tie in there. That's why I played that little music. Oh, there you go. Who knew? <laughs> I knew. <laughs> Who knew? Oh, boy. What, a, what an educational show we run here at Philly Press Talks Radio. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, Hey, speaking of educational, uh, did you get to watch college football on Saturday? That Alabama-LSU game was a classic. Uh, the, the college football rankings are out. LSU is deservingly on top. Ohio State is there. Clemson is there. Georgia picked up the fourth spot with Alabama slightly behind at fifth, and, and Penn State dropped the ninth. How do you feel about that? Well, it makes sense. I mean – it was a game Penn State had to win, obviously, and they didn't get it done. So I'm not surprised they dropped down to ninth. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, as it turned out, I didn't get to see anything on Saturday because I had an event in the afternoon and an event in the evening. So I didn't see any of it, but I know I missed a couple of good games. I listened to some of the Penn State game on the radio as I was going from place to place. And by the way, the uh, Bama LSU game had real good numbers in terms of ratings, um, 16.6 million and then closer to 20 million in the fourth quarter. It was the highest rated college football regular season game in eight years. Wow. Well, and it was good. I tell you what, every time uh, Alabama did something, LSU answered the bell. It was, uh, it was a classic heavyweight bout for college football. And, you know, the good thing, Chet, and, and this is good for Penn state as well is, uh, you know, they have to take care of their business. They've got to beat Ohio state and, uh, go out there and do it. They were going to have to do that anyway. So they could have a chance to see Minnesota again in the big 10 championship. And if they take care of that business, they're going to be in the final four. So, uh, and the same goes for Alabama. Um, you know, Georgia is going to probably, if they went out and LSU wins out, those two are going to play and, and Alabama's liable to be sitting there in the, catbird seat if Georgia were to pick up a second loss and they could slide back in so a lot of things going to happen on the field yet in college football and it's it's a fun time yeah it is and for college football crazy people like you who love to sit and watch you know for 15 hours straight I know it's a lot of fun and anything can happen now going forward here but for Penn State they have to beat Indiana of course this weekend before playing Ohio State hopefully they're not looking, looking ahead and then they'll finish up with what should be a romp over Rutgers. And, by the way, did you see the line Ohio State-Rutgers this weekend? I think it's 52 Ohio State is favored by. I'll take Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, it's uh, – like I say, the good thing is you're going to get to play the games on the field in, in some cases. Clemson, obviously, is in the catbird seat. They're not going to have to probably play anybody. They can even get close to them in their conference – so they'll be sitting good, but uh, all the rest are going to have to play this thing out to see who gets there. And uh, and Oklahoma Baylor, Baylor's got to undefeated, got to go to Oklahoma this weekend. So that will prove something uh, on who can do what in that conference. How about that Matt rule? Yeah, Matt's got it going on down there. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 
one to 21. Pretty good odds. Check out the Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Hey, Chet, before we get to our fantasy football and fearless weekly picks, let's welcome Fred Hugo back to talk some Sixers. Fred, welcome. What's up, guys? Clap your hands. Clap Can your you hands. Well, well, hey, let me kick this clap, clap your hands nonsense off with uh, Chet. <laughs> I, I got a problem. This is one of my favorite topics. And before I even wrote this load management nonsense down, I didn't know that Embiid was going to load manage again tonight. <laughs> it's already started. We're 10 games into the season. This is a joke, and I got they're going to get me to strike again. Bill, I had the birthday last week, but it's you who sounded more and more like a cranky old dinosaur every week, always complaining about something. How did the load management thing work out with Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors last year? I think it worked out pretty well. Well, let me tell you this, Chet. Right, well, Fred, Fred, you- Give me your opinion, then I'm going to come back at you. Personally, I don't like it at all. And I, I think it's kind of a farce with the, how they come up with it and, and how it goes. But I also understand it, and I don't think it's anything very new because it happened back in the 90s too. It just wasn't publicized this way. Like, for example, Shaq, he probably played like 60 to 70 games a year. Um, so depending on the person – I see why, but just this overall just acknowledgement like that that it's just good for you is not necessarily good. Like Embiid has already said multiple times that he doesn't like having a mo- many days off in a row. It slows him down, he feels like. And last year he tried to play in the first half of the year majority of the games. He played like 90% of the games. They were they were overdoing it last year and then it, it burnt them at the end. So I think it's a case by case Deal, but the fact that players just across the league are just, you know, without any injury, just doing it because of rest. Like, if you have an injury history, I, I can see why, but it's just like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, like players played 82 games. Like, what happened from now till to the, the, what are we in, the 2010 era? I guess we're at the, that's being the 2020s. What has, I know body weight has changed and everything, but it's, it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm annoyed like you, Bill, but it it ain't going away. So. <laughs> well, I guess Fred, as a season ticket holder, I have to ask you: What if you were tired tonight and you just didn't feel like going? You think they'd pony up some money back to you? Well, the benefit to that, Bill, is the Sixers are good, so you can easily sell them to someone who wants to go. <laughs> But I will say, when I had tickets early in the process and um, and Embiid was playing, or Simmons, you know, the first year maybe, or even the year Simmons was out, that first, that first Embiid year, it was a struggle because you know you 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 were like, oh, what am I going down here for? And you couldn't you had, you couldn't give them away. You know what I mean? No one's buying going to buy the tickets if, if Embiid's not playing. So yeah, it it stinks for the for the fan because. You know, it, you hear stories all the time, like teams go on the road and, and that would like someone move away from the Philadelphia area, let's say, and their 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 family watches Philadelphia from, say, Arizona or, or Orlando even. And then the Sixers come to Orlando and they've been they've been talking about this these tickets and your your kids all excited and then and then <laughs> and beats not playing, you know? It's and it, it started I, I think Popovich is the one that started this with the Spurs team. Like they had this whole load management thing. They did the same thing. Which is ironic why Kawhi left, but like all right. it, it all started with him and it's just it's it's just terrible for the fan. It stinks. Well, hey Chad, based on last night's uh well let's talk about that a little bit. The uh the three point shooting debacle. You and I have talked about this a little bit already, uh early in the season. Uh, is this fixable with the with the group they have? Well, in my opinion, it's going to be an issue because they're showing that none of them is a great shooter. We thought that Tobias Harris was going to be better than he is. I mean, last night I think it was just one of those aberrations when you go 0 for 11. I know he was coming off a little stomach thing, so we'll, we'll give him some slack on this one. But even beyond that, he hasn't shot the ball great from outside. He was shooting much better when he was with the Clippers, but now that he's with the Sixers, he's struggling. Um, Furcon's doing okay. Josh Richardson, though, not really looking good with his outside shot. Um, Joel Embiid, maybe their best 
three-point shooter, but you don't want the big seven-footer shooting a whole lot of threes, but he did make three out of five last night. And you know who we got to mention. Fred, does it bother you as much as it does me that we continue to wait on Ben Simmons to take a regular season jump shot from at least 12 feet? <laughs> it, more, it, it does definitely annoys me when he comes up the court and, you know, the, the opening is there for him to just step up and, and take a jumper. You know, it's, What's more annoying me though is is he's the the not going hard to the rim and then also like it he's doing this thing and he's done it before but it seems like he's doing it a lot more now it's almost a, a regression it looks like where he comes up the court and takes three dribbles and then stops dribbling and has and then and then nowhere to pass the ball and you're like yo man what are you doing why don't you pick up your dribble there's no no reason to pick up your dribble. So I, I hear you with with Simmons. Yeah, that it, it's annoying. <laughs> well, what is that coaching? Like, let me ask you guys this: Like, it, is that not? It, I mean, I know they're professional athletes, but these are these are these are young players in their fourth year where they should have been coached in the last four years. You would think. So, like, I don't know. As a coach, I would call time out and be like, "What are you doing?" And Apparently, Jimmy Butler was saying that to him last year, which caused a little bit of a stir because he was saying, yeah. shoot the ball. I don't care what Brett says. Shoot the ball. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it is it is very concerning because, you know, that's that's the difference from – he'll be an all-star as is, but, the, but to take, he could take his game to another level, the superstar level, if he just starts attempting the jump shot. He could make 30% totally and it changes everything. Totally agree. But they're seven and three on pace for fifty-seven wins, and hopefully we'll get better and better. But in the meantime, Fred, we have this for you right here. Whoa! Bread and butter fantasy football time for week eleven. Fred, let's do it. Let's do it. Last week was a good. I had a good week last week, but. We will start at quarterback. If you listened to me last week, you would have grabbed them already. Nick Foles is back in the saddle for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Sam Darnold had a, had a good week. Um, he's a guy you can pick up as well. Kyle Allen, week after week, is starting to show that he, he looks like a solid quarterback there in, in Carolina. He had 307 yards passing last week. So he's another guy you might be able to pick up. Um, and a good matchup for you if you have him on a roster, Derek Carr against the Bengals, as well as Jimmy Garoppolo against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, moving over to running back, Melvin Gordon. The last two weeks is starting to look like Melvin Gordon, the, the, the top five fantasy pick if you would have played from the beginning of the year. Um, he's going up against the Chiefs, who are like 32nd against running backs. So that's a guy you can start. Uh, Darius Geis is back from the injury. He's a guy you might want to stash, though, because Peterson is having a good year in Washington. They may split carries. Probably the top free agent guy to pick up right now is Brian Hill, running back with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Freeman looks like he's probably going to be out for the rest of the year, and this guy is going to get all the carries. So he's the number one guy that you know is going to get the touches. He's a guy you definitely want to pick up. And this week it's against the Panthers, who – to running backs anyway, they, they're ranked 27th against the running back. Another guy is in Detroit, J.D. McKissick. He didn't play well last week, but again, he's going to get the touches and the carry. So if you need a number one back there on the waiver wire, there's two right there. Wide receiver-wise, Demarius Thomas looks like he's looking better now that Sam Darnold's getting a little more comfortable. He had like eight catches, 70 yards last week. James Washington and Deontay Johnson seem to be Mason Rudolph's favorite. In Pittsburgh, not Juju, so they, they're two guys on, on the list as well that you could grab. And then this week, I hate to say it, but um, Edelman and Sanu of the New England Patriots, uh, you can't not start any any team that's playing the Eagles, you cannot not start the receivers. You, you just have to. <laughs> um, it, I mean, the Eagles may have a good game and then stop them, but you, you'd be foolish to not let them roll if, if you're trying to win. Um, tight end wise, OJ Howard, who I said to start last week, had 50 yards, four catches, and a touchdown. He's still available in 60% of leagues. Jared Cook was available in a few of my leagues. I picked him up in one. He's going up against the Buccaneers, who he they're they're pretty bad against the tight end. He should have a great week. And this is like these are two gut just gut feeling plays here. So I feel like Mike Gesicki, the old Penn State, not the old, but two years ago Penn State tight end going up against the Bills. They're ranked number one against the tight end, 
I just have a gut feeling he's going to score a touchdown, and I feel the same for Dallas Goddard. So if you're pinch, in a pinch for a tight end, start one of them too, and I'm, I'm feeling a touchdown at least for, for both of them. And then defensively, look at all the, the young quarterbacks starting. Just pick a defense. And the, the three I, I see, three quarterbacks are Ryan Finley of the Bengals, uh, Driscoll of the Lions, and then you got Haskins starting the Redskins. So if you can find the Raiders defense, Cowboys defense, or the Jets defense, they're guys you're going to start against quarterbacks that are probably going to turn it over. But that, that's what I got for fantasy this week. Well, good stuff. Let's do our NFC East picks. Uh, Chad, how did we do last week? And by the way, who, who took the Seahawks? Well, actually, Bill, both you and I took the Seahawks, but Fred oh. stuck with the 49ers. Yeah, week 10 was a rough one all around. And in our little four-game set, Bill and I went 2-2, two and two, while Fred, with that 49ers pick, struggled to a 1-3 and three weekend. So... Yeah. For the season, Bill is in first place still at 24 and 13. Fred and I are now tied for second, two games off the pace. But Bill, Ooh. I fully expect you. I fully expect you to crack under pressure. Ooh. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Week 11. Let's start out. Cowboys at the Lions. Dallas minus four and a half. Jets visit the Redskins. Redskins minus one and a half. The Giants are all, all awful. Oh, they're off this week. I've added Chiefs at the Chargers. Chiefs minus three and a half on Monday Night Football. And last, the Eagles host the Patriots Sunday at 415. Patriots minus three and a half. So, Fred, Cowboys at the Lions. Dallas minus four and a half. Four and a half on the road. I'm pretty sure Stafford's not playing. Um, so, barring him playing, I don't think the Lions have a shot in this game at all. So I'm thinking the uh, Cowboys. Yeah, haven't heard anything definite on Stafford. It was like a surprise last-minute scratch almost last weekend. Threw a lot of people off, uh, including me. Um, but either way, I'm picking Dallas. I think Dallas wins this one, unfortunately. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. The Lions are disappointing every week, I think, unfortunately. Cowboys. Jets and the Redskins versus the Redskins at the Redskins. Redskins minus one and a half, Brad. Yeah, there's no way I'm I'm taking the, that quarterback Haskins. He doesn't look great until he proves different. Uh, I can't take a team with, with him starting, so I'm going to take the Jets. I was surprised the Redskins were actually favored to beat anybody, but, yeah, here they are favored by one and a half at home. I don't care. I'm taking the Jets as well. Yeah, I'm with you. The Redskins stink, and Haskins is not going to make them any better anytime soon. Jets aren't very good either, but I'm taking Jets. And just for fun, I got to say the Giants are off this week. That's an awful. And gotcha. Off. gotcha. All right. Chiefs and Chargers. Chiefs minus three and a half Monday Night Football. Got a chance to be a good one. Yeah, this Rivers looks like he's really struggling this year. I, I, my gut is saying, and I did this last week. My gut was saying Seahawks. I went against it. My gut's saying Chargers, but I, I can't see the Chiefs losing again. So I'm going to have to take Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Mahomes, it seems, looks healthy, so they just got to stop someone. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs, though. Another line that surprised me, minus three and a half only. I thought that would be bigger. I know it's, you know, a home game for the Chargers, but still, the Chiefs are a much better team, I think. I got to go, Casey. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, I just think they're better than the Chiefs. And Phillip Rivers has always been a mystery to me. I, I think he, at the end of the day, he's going to have fantastic probably Hall of Fame type numbers, but he, I just never see him do anything. I I'm, I just can't get there. I'm going Chiefs. That brings mm-hmm. us to the Sunday afternoon game. Eagles, Patriots, or Patriots at the Eagles. Patriots minus three and a half. Red. Patriots on the road, favored. What are they, seven and one, eight and one, something like that. Um, I do see a pass that the Eagles can win this game. I will be there, so I'm, I'm excited for that, but I don't know. These receivers are just so bad, and I just know what they're going to do. They're going to stack the box, and they're just going to make the receivers beat them. So, unless they can catch the passes, because Wentz is going to have to, you know, he's pretty much on the money. They just dropped the ball. <laughs> um, unless they can make plays, I, I don't see how the Eagles are, are going to win this. So, I'm going to take the Patriots, unfortunately, to win. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of days ago, I wrote down the score. New England 27, Eagles 20. 
but I had a change of heart last night. I just got, got this feeling the birds are going to pull this one out, and I just crossed off New England and wrote down Eagles. Eagles 27-20. Well, I'll tell you what. I have beat this thing up every way but loose. I was I was going Patriots big in my mind for a while, thinking they can't stop the pass. And then Alshon Jeffrey went out, and I think the Eagles can't catch the ball. They can't get open. And just like Fred said, they're going to put them in a jam. Then I thought, you know what? If the Eagles can run the ball successfully like they have been in the last week, which Dallas did, or not Dallas, uh, Baltimore did against New England, and can control the ball and keep Brady off the field a little bit, they're going to win the game. So I'm going to roll with that one. I'm going to go that the Eagles are going to show their identity. They're going to come out. They're going to run the football and try to control Tom Brady. I'm going to go 24-20 Eagles. There you go. All right. Fred, before we get away, uh, let the listeners know how they can follow what you have going on. Yeah, you can check me on um, uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's the same handle, at FredHugo underscore. And then follow me on Facebook. Um, my Fred Hugo is where I run a lot. I got my fredandbutter.com, but I share most of it, most of it through there. So just just search Fred Hugo and you'll find me. All right, sounds good, Fred. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Fred. All right, see you next week. Go Birds. All right, go Birds. Hey, Chet, tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. Bill, it's my least favorite guest. I got to be honest. It's TBD. <laughs> good old to be determined. I'll have to get back to you on that. All right. How about a parting shot for you tonight? Just a couple of random things, Bill. Um, He's been a commentator for Hockey Night in Canada for some 35 years, but Don Cherry got the axe the other day after making what some thought was an insensitive remark during Saturday night's broadcast. Known for his flamboyant suits and for often saying over-the-top things, the 85-year-old Cherry basically accused immigrants and saying you people in directing his remarks at them of not respecting Canada's tradition of wearing poppies to honor military heroes. He was probably wrong to say it, but I think firing him was a little excessive. Just my view. Brandon Brooks got a nice new contract the other day. The Eagles guard got a four-year, $54.2 million extension, making him the highest-paid guard in the league. Not bad. Not bad for an interior O-lineman. And former Eagles long snapper John Dorenboss put out a book last week about his tragic young life and his long football career and his magic. It's called Life is Magic, My Inspiring Journey from Tragedy to Self-Discovery. I have no doubt it'll be a great read. Oh, I bet it will. And hey, back on that uh, Brandon Brooks thing for just a second, all five linemen and Dillard, now six linemen, all under contract. Or no, no, I take that back. Jason Peters is done this year. He becomes a free agent. Dillard and the other four all under contract for a couple more years. Yeah, and it's time for Jason to retire. One other thing we didn't mention about uh, last week or this week, the Philly Sports Hall of Fame last week inducted a bunch of people, including Billy Melchioni, Donovan McNabb, Troy Vincent, Fran Dunphy, Mike Sosha, Rashid Wallace, and Jason Stark. And Andy Reid flew in just to support Donovan and Troy Vincent, which was pretty cool. Donovan is a – or Andy Reid's a class act. No no doubt about it. People can question whether – he was a good coach or bad coach. He's still the greatest coach in Eagles history. And he has had those guys back from the start and they know it. Yes, indeed. So that was nice. All right. Well, we have reached the top of the hour. We'd like to thank tonight's special guests, Mike Kern and Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover station house, Bob Sullivan's like your age.com PPCC one, one eight Raz room and Dave LaVoy of all state insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chetchesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 20th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.